right. Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for his goodness and for his mercy. Uh, he's always doing great things. And I thank God because he knows what to do. Even if you don't, even if I don't, that's okay. Um, that's not part of the requirement that we've got to know everything. We serve a, a father in heaven who knows everything. And, and, um, and when we are a little, uh, confused or when we don't know which way to go or what the next step is or what the next move, because life is like that. Sometimes I am thankful that we can go to God and he will give us direction. We thank God we are back in the word of God for our reading. Let's go ahead and start with um, the book of Psalms chapter 27. Um, we'll go ahead and read our scripture set, a Psalm of David. Um, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore, Will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy? I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I see. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou has been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me. O God of my salvation, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Amen. And we add verses um, 11 uh, and 12 to that. Teach me thy way, O Lord and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. As always, may God add a blessing to those that not just, just hear and read his word, but to those that do his word, because as we always say, the blessing is in the obedience. If you've been listening to this uh, any length of time to these uh, uh, lessons, then you've heard that time and time again, and it never gets old, and we're never going <laughs> to, probably never going to stop saying that. The blessing is in the obedience. Amen, amen, amen. God is good, and he's not just good sometimes, but God is good all the time. Now, we finished up our last lesson in the series of abandonment, and I really do hope and pray that um, you are able to go back and you're able to to uh, to listen to that um, and to really just kind of go through that study. Um, there were three lessons in, in, in total. Um, the scripture that we uh, used as the basis was Psalms 27. Um, we looked at verse number 10, which says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And we really got into that whole concept of understanding, um, um, you know, understanding um, what that meant. Um, to forsake and, and who the mother and father um, represented and what type of relationship. So we talked about all of those things, the types of relationships that were represented, the circumstances under which the uh, leaving would take place, all of those different areas of it. Um, we've talked about, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful study. And, 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 and the, the part that I love about it. Um, is that is that at the end of that, the word 
David says, then the Lord will take me up. Amen. Amen. We, we, we talked about the, the depth of being abandoned and, and the different signs of abandonment. And we, and we discovered that this um, is not an accidental necessarily abandonment that is, uh, that is being referenced here. And we did also come to understand that abandonment um, or abandonment syndrome or whatever you want to call it, there are many different um, well-documented um, titles for this, whatever you want to call uh, any of that, we learned that this abandonment is, or the feeling of abandonment is a form of anxiety. We discovered and, and, and learned that it, 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 um, um, it's well-documented, obviously, that it starts, um, you know, with, it, 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 it's, it can be prevalent or it can start at a very early age in the childhood years. But we also talked about and discovered how it's not confined to just that time period or that period of life. Um, many adults also suffer from uh, abandonment. There are many things. So there's no, um, so there, there, there is no, um, set criteria that says you have to be a child in order to um, deal with abandonment issues or feelings, okay? You don't have to be a child in order for that. So that, so much so that if you're an adult, it's not possible for you. No, that's ridiculous. It is totally possible. Young and old, it doesn't matter. People can, people of all ages, of all walks of life deal with abandonment, okay? Right. We deal with that. And that's that's just the 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 reality of it. That abandonment doesn't always happen from the in the form of the mother and father, per se. OK. All right. It doesn't necessarily have to be them um, specifically um, that bring in um, that bring in the abandonment or the feelings of abandonment, but the mother and father that could easily represent that person that is closest to you are those people that have the connection that is of such caliber that they're able to speak guidance into your life. They, they, these are the ones that give direction. These are the ones that you rely on. These are the ones that, that, that um, they're your, they're, they're your, they're, they serve as your mentors and your instructors or your leaders. These are the ones that you take counsel for. These are the ones that whose advice gets elevated to the top of the, the, the deck, so to speak, or the top of the pile. That, that, that's who these people are. They're not just run of the mill. They're not just every day. They're not just a, a, you know, a person who has no impact. These are people that you and I have deemed impactful. They have a meaning. Okay. And are we, 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 we welcome their, their words and their, their advice and all of those things. Well, David said, when my father and my mother forsake me, and we learned that that forsake is using the word abandon and it's picking up the primary meaning. We learned that there were two meanings or multiple meanings. One, a secondary meaning is that of an agricultural term, that of fallow ground. We're not going into that, but the primary meaning of abandonment, okay, um, that is behind the word forsake in our scripture in verse 10 is literally the meaning is to leave behind. And so uh, not just leave behind, um, not leave behind accidentally, but leave behind intentionally. Okay, so we learned that when David was talking about this abandonment or this forsaking, what he's getting at or referencing is an intentional forsaking. Okay, this is not somebody who accidentally left or had no control over leaving. No, this is a person who is in that position, who has that you in that in that role in your life. Okay, they mean something to you. Their presence, you probably feel like, man, I long as I have that person, I'm gonna be all right. When that person, when those persons intentionally do you wrong, forsake you, leave you. That's what we're talking about, okay? Now, David adds a blessing and speaks something that goes directly in the face of the concept 
that all is lost if that person, if the one who's closest to you, the one who seemingly means the most to you or has been, has been the most impactful, has the most, most influence in your life, when that person intentionally leaves, When all along here you were and here I was thinking that that person's going to be there. That person is going to all is, 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 is won't turn their back on me. That person is not going to forsake me. That person's going to be on my team. That person's going to be with me that I, I'm you know what I'm going I'm going to be OK. It's going to be OK. I got that person. In my corner, and as long as I got them in my corner, we're going to be all right. But when we discover that even the people that are closest to us have faults and flaws just like us, when those people who were supposed to stay, <clears throat> but they don't stay, and so their departure leaves a gaping wound in our lives a hurt that oftentimes doesn't really have a whole lot of words to accurately describe it. It just hurts that bad. Man, brothers and sisters, it hurts when some people leave. When some people, certain people leave that are were in your life, when they leave, oh, it hurts. It hurts. But when John says, when my father and my mother forsake me, when those in that of that close relationship intentionally leave me, David reveals to us that hope is not lost. He says, then will the Lord, then the Lord will take me up. Amen. 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 You know, John, um, 1 John 2.19, we gave this last week. <clears throat> it's worth looking at again. Bible says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. It hurts when people who are who we think are supposed to stay when they don't, when they leave. For their own personal reasons. But regardless of the reason, the leaving is intentional because that's what's talking. That's what that forsaking is. It's abandonment that you intentionally, you intentionally leave it abandoned. You intentionally leave it behind. And so it hurts when that person leaves like that or those people leave like that. But we said on last week, and I want to say that and say it again, that is a blessing in disguise because what 1 John 2.19 just showed us is if you looked at the very B portion, after he says, they would no doubt have continued with us, he gives you, John, the apostle, gives you an explanation for why they went out with us, but they were not necessarily all of us, because sometimes people leave. And you think that they're going to be there, but they're not. They don't stay. He says, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. In other words, what he said was they left for the purpose of revealing to you and I that these people were not the total package we once thought they were. Amen. Amen. And that is not God hurting you. That is God helping you. That is God helping me. John said the purpose for them leaving was so that it might be made manifest. That means to turn the light on. That means to uncover. That means to unhide. That means to reveal. The whole purpose of them leaving 
was so that you and I would clearly know who's who. Brothers and sisters, look, if somebody, if somebody is, if you're amongst a group of people and somebody is going to do you wrong, wouldn't you want to know who it is that have the bad intentions? I know I would want to know. I'd want to know so that I can make some, 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 some preemptive adjustments. I want to know who I'm working with. I would want to know who am I standing shoulder to shoulder with. I would want to know who it is that I'm getting ready to deposit my faith and my trust in. Because I would want to know if that person is worthy of that. In other words, are they up to the task of handling my faith and trust. I would want to know that. Going back to Psalms 27, verse 10, the B portion, David says, when my father and my mother forsake me, he says, then the Lord will take me up. Then the Lord will take me up. Now, look at that, because that is simply marvelous. Because in it, we learn something about God. Amen. We learn something about God here. He says, then the Lord will take me up. John, the epistle of John, 1 John 2.19 told us that not everybody who goes along with us is actually with us and some leave. And even though we get hurt about that, there is a purpose that we, we see the mercy of God in that because God could leave us with blinders on and, and, and leave us in a position where people can just really do you wrong. No, but instead God allows it that th things to happen in order to move these people on. Why? Because you need to know those that labor among you. You got to know who you're working with. You got to try the spirit, you know what I'm saying, whether they be of God. That's that spiritual discernment. You and I have got to have that present and accounted for. But I want you to watch something here. David says, David says in our text, okay, very plainly, then the Lord will take me up. So when a person leaves or when we find ourselves abandoned, the knee-jerk response is, is that we feel it, man, you know what? Uh, you know, the game's over. You know, this is, you know, this is just a, probably a hurt that I won't be able to come back to from any time soon. That's the way it can, it can feel. But David shows us that there's a promise and shows us that that is not actually our feeling that we're, that it's all over, that the game's over, that that feeling, those feelings that come behind or come along with the reality of someone that you thought was going to be there and all of a sudden they are no longer there and they're no longer there intentionally. Remember, we're not talking, this is not involuntary. This is a voluntary leaving. And you can voluntarily leave in many different ways. You can stay in the same room and never physically leave somebody, but all the while voluntarily leave nonetheless. And there's a whole lot of people like that. You have checked out. You are in the room, you're still in the same vicinity, you still go to the same places, you still have all of that, but you have left. You checked out. And what David shows you is, is that when somebody, that when everybody else 
when those closest to you check out. Don't even almost put God in the same category because everybody else might check out, but God will never check out. He said, then the Lord will take me up. Now, I want you to understand, look at that. He says, then the Lord will take me up, all right? Now, when we start saying the Lord will take me up, okay, that God will rescue me. God will, will, will deal with me. God will help me. That's really what all that means. God will, will, will come to see about me. When the connections that I thought I needed are taken from me, involuntarily, in other words, I don't have a say in it, but the person decides that they're going to leave. They're going to check out. The Bible says, then the Lord will take me up. Why? The reason that is like that and the reason why it's at that point, it's after the departure, it's after somebody forsakes you, is because sometimes close relationships with individuals have a way of eclipsing your view. They take up all of your view, so much so that you cannot see God at all. Look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says this of Isaiah. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Do you see what just transpired? Here the prophet Isaiah is coming on to the scene, and he's getting ready to come into his own, but he's unable to do that. Why? Because in his viewpoint, immediately in his viewport is that of King Uzziah. And the Bible says that it wasn't until Uzziah passed on that Isaiah, because that's who's talking here, was able to see God. And I want to tell you something. The reason why many a time it is not until the forsaking that God is, comes to see about us is because it is not, it is often not until someone forsakes us or we lose that candy lamb, that rose-colored glasses ideology of these people, and that it's not until they leave that we get to see God, that we begin to see him for who he is for the very first time. Isaiah said it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw also the Lord. Notice the language, I saw also the Lord. I was seeing Uzziah up to that point. In that year, I was looking at Uzziah. In that year, I was viewing what he was doing. In that year, I was reading his accolades. In that year, I was reading his press. In that year, I was still focused on Uzziah. But somewhere along the line, it was when Uzziah checked out. That I was able, that us, I was able, that Isaiah rather was able to finally see that God was always already checked in. Sometimes we don't see that God is already there in the fray, in the fire with us until we lose sight of all the folks other than God who we look to to deliver us. The Bible tells us very plain, there's no other savior. There's no other deliverer but God. But sometimes close relationships have a way of eclipsing our understanding of that truth. Why? Because these people bring a human element. They, they, they bring the element of the tangible, someone I can touch, someone that I can hold, someone that I can see, someone that I can handle. And it's arguably easier to trust and believe 
what you can see versus that what you can't see. It's easier to trust in what you can see. Harder to trust in what you can't see. That's why faith is so difficult for a lot of people. It's why hope is in short supply for a lot of people. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith proceeds. The visibility of an answered prayer. Faith holds and believes that the prayer is answered on the strength that I serve a good God and I know what his word says and he has spoken favor. That I have been given permission to come boldly before the throne of grace and to make my petitions and my supplications and everything in my request, I can make them known to God. Faith says on the strength that I'm able to come before God and my God loves me and my God is concerned about me, my prayer in Jesus' name is answered. Faith precedes the visibility of an answer prayer. By faith, I accept and believe that it's answered, even though in the natural, we haven't got there yet. Because God will speak a word and speak an answer right where he is. And God is not, God exists, <laughs> you understand something? God exists outside of time. He's not governed by time. He, but rather he governs time. He controls it. He controls time, yet he himself is not bound by the constraints of time. You and I are. We are temporal in and of ourselves. But he is eternal. So when you pray, when I pray, and I ask God, and God answers that prayer, the past, the present, the future, that's all the same to God. He speak a word and it's done. It's done right then. Yet the manifestation of that thing for me shows up in time. He speaks the answer outside of time. But the answer makes its re revelation or its manifestation in time. So he speaks it right where he is and it's done in Jesus' name. That's why I can just accept by faith that it's done. I can believe that God is healing. When I call on the Lord and I, and I pray for the healing of my brothers and my sisters, I can believe for that. Now, of course, that healing will have to be according to God's will because God has, his, God has his own will. God is not at our beck and call. So just because I ask God to heal somebody, I'm just using that as an example. But I want, just because I ask God to heal somebody doesn't mean he's going to do that. God's going to do what he has sovereignly determined to do. But, I want, but in this case, I want you to, 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 to imagine that this is an instance where God is going to do that. He's going to heal that person. So I ask God, heal this person. God speaks that healing. Guess what? God is in, for God is already done. Now it's just for us a matter of time. For the healing or the deliverance that God spoke in eternity or outside time where he dwells, it manifests in time for us. Amen. Amen. When Uzai got off the scene, because remember, he said, in the year that King Uzai died, this is Isaiah 6 and 1, in the year that King Uzai died, I saw also the Lord, also. That means I didn't just see the Lord, but I saw Uzai as well. 
And what is actually happening is, is, is that what is being referenced here is, is that in that year, there was part of the year where, uh, where Isaiah saw Uzzi or Uzzi was what was on his mind. He was the one that had Isaiah's attention. He was all focused on, he was Uzzi, 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 Uzzi. He was, he was a total fan, basically. You can look at it like that. But in that year, Uzzi passed on. And for those of you who, want, who, who, who are familiar with it or who are not familiar with it, it was because of disobedience that Uzzi passed on. He started operating outside, uh, outside the confines of what God had told him or instructed him to do. Uzzi was a king and he decided he was going to step into the role, if I'm not mistaken, of a priest. And he's going to start offering sacrifices. He's going to do what he wasn't called to do. God is very particular when it comes to roles. And I'm going to say this, just this one, just almost as a side note. Don't you fall into that mistake that people make. Oh, well, you know what? I can do this just as well as somebody else. Oh, if he can do it, I can do it too. You better check the record and make sure you call to that. And I'm going to make it simple for you. If you ain't never seen in the Bible, God call anybody. Such, listen. Don't you pioneer no new thing. Don't you say, I'm going to be the first this, and I'm going to be the first that, and I'm going to be this, that, and the other. No, no, don't, no, 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 no. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. Leave stuff just the way God got it. In the word, you are clearly able to see who is assigned to what role. You see that from every perspective, from gender to everything else. And if you do not see in the word where God did that, don't you do that. Don't take role. That's what us I did. So us I, it went bad for him. Leprosy. As a result. Moving back, it was when us I passed on that Isaiah was able to finally see God. Back to our text, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Many times it's at that point that the Lord takes you up because that's the only time we allow him in. That's the only, it's not until our hearts get broken. It's not until the things that we count on fall away. It's not until the things that we are building on our own, they unravel and fall apart. And we're left standing there without a recourse, an earthly recourse. Now there's no one physical like us, that we can go to. After the resurrection, Jesus told Thomas, blessed are, the, are those, you know, that you're blessed because you, you, you know, <clears throat> blessed are those that see and believe, but it's more blessed are they that have not seen yet believe. There's more of a blessing. For those that will believe who have not seen, than it is for those that see and believe. Because believing without seeing is harder, as we said earlier. Why? Because faith, to operate in faith, to move in faith, the way the Bible teaches us to, the way God teaches us to, according to scripture, then doing so means that exercising faith more often than not will be in, be done 
in the absence of any visible signs that prove that your faith is well-placed. In other words, you don't have any signs that precede it to give you that you can look to as a guarantee that everything is going to be right. No, faith precedes the visible manifestation of the thing that you're praying for. Or as the scripture teaches us, the thing that you're hoping for, because it's that hope. That hope is the image. It's the thing. It's the object, whatever it is that we're looking for. And then to reach that hope, that picture, that end result, whatever that is, that place, it requires faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, according to Hebrews. Amen. The evidence of things not seen. There is no vi 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 true faith. Doesn't always come with, vi doesn't come with visible proof. Faith is the proof. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The what? Evidence of things not seen. Evidence means proof. Faith serves as the proof of hope or the thing that you're hoping for. It's faith. Faith is the proof. Faith is the proof. So then faith will proceed the manifestation or the fulfillment of the thing that you are hoping for. And it is at that point, David says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Somebody listening to this, you that's going to hear this, no matter where you are in the world or when you listen to this. God is waiting for you. But the problem is, is that you're not waiting for him. Because you are still looking to any and everything else outside him for the solutions and for the answer. You're still looking to man to be your solution. Because somewhere on the inside, like many of us, you want something visible that you can hold on to. But see, we walk by faith and not by sight is what the word teaches us. We walk by faith. and not by sight. And because that is what, that's what we do, because that's how we walk, because that's the nature of this walk of faith. You are literally walking without signs, visible signs that give you and I the warm and fuzzies that say, oh, you're doing the right thing. Yes, you, it's going to pay off. Yes, it's going to be there. Yes, it's going to work out. When you walk by faith, you don't have none of that. You don't have this overabundance of signs external signs on the outside many times that 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 give you a reassurance that you're doing the right thing that you're going the right you don't know we walk by faith and not by sight when you're going to walk this 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 walk of Christ to walk this thing out 
mean you're going to have to set your face straight ahead using the word of God as your marker and you're going to have to just keep walking forward. Not looking to the left, not turning to the right. Not getting caught up in all the scenery along the side of the road. Because all of the signs that are on the side of the road are inspired for the most part by the enemy. And they are meant to be distractions to keep you from going forward. They are meant to get you questioning whether or not faith is worth it. Some of you have been praying for somebody for a long time. Wanting God to come through, needing God to come through, and he hasn't come through yet. But on the inside, you feel that God, you just know God's going to do it. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you got that picture of hope. You see God delivering my child, delivering my, my spouse, delivering my loved one, delivering my friend. But I haven't seen it. Everything I see seems to point otherwise. And so the enemy will want you to get caught up on all the signs on the side of the road that all seem to conveniently say, you're wasting your time. Look at how long God has taken. You know why it's taking that long? Because he's not going to do it. That's the lie that the devil tells you. It's the lie that he tells me. And it's all for the purpose of getting you to question. Whether God will do this or not. See, many people I've discovered. They don't question, is God able? It's not a question of, is God able? But many of us. Believers, we are aware of our sin so much. One scripture said, our sins testify against us. Some of us as believers are so aware of our sin and what God has saved us out of. That after the salvation takes place, and then we start walking this thing, and I want you to hear what I'm saying. We start living this thing. Yes, God saved us, but then there's that part of us that goes back and re-examines re where we've come from and what we've been through. And we're thankful that God has saved us. But when we look at all the dirt and filth on our hand, that all the stuff that he saved us from, we start to feel. It's not that God can't do it. But surely God won't do it, given my track record. Not that he can't. We start to get caught up in but will he do it for me? I'm not worthy. But newsflash, nothing God has ever done for us, and he's done it all, has ever been because you and I were worthy. We don't deserve him. We didn't earn him. And we most certainly couldn't do anything on our own to change that. But the word of God says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. 
Who did he die for? The ungodly. Who's the ungodly? You and me. That's who we were. Before Jesus stepped in on the inside. And turned it all around. You and I are never going to earn or be able to earn the favor of God. No. That's why he gives it. as an article or item of grace and mercy. What you and I have in the Lord is purely based on his own personal desire, his own sovereign right to give us what he wants us to have. And our God has spoken favor. The word of God says no good thing will he withhold. And when you pray according to the word of God, taking into account the will of God, when you recognize, when you begin to recognize the will of God, the reason why I say that is, is because when you begin to recognize the will of God, you will begin to recognize what season you're in, in which God is moving. God often operates according to season. God's not going to do something out of season. When you begin to, to pray according to the word of God, Perceiving and understanding the will of God, the season of God. Then those are prayers that God tends to answer. And so you can confidently Walk in faith and just keep right on going. Because you're not going, because the thing that you're putting your faith in, or rather, let me say it this way, the thing that you're having faith in God for, what you're believing God for, you're not just pulling up some, some, some weird, selfish thing. No. You're desiring according to the will of God. Let me give you some examples. The Bible says, God says that if a man don't work, he don't eat. So newsflash, it is God's will that men work. Uh Uh-oh, what does that mean? That means it's his will that you have a job. So when I prepare myself. I do all that I can do. I do my schooling or I do my training. I do all of these different things. Well, now comes the time where I've got to start submitting resumes and I've got to start applying the jobs and filling out applications. But I don't want just anything. And I know that I can't make anybody hire me. So I go to God and I say, God, I I need you to provide for me. Your word says, because when I pray, I'm going to use the word. You said, if a man don't work, he don't eat. God, I need to take care of my family. I need to take care of myself. I need to be able to do this. But I also don't want to be in the thing or in a job that is outside of your will. I don't want to just be chasing the dollar and all these things and that becomes my focus. No. 
but I want the job, the position that is going to allow me to take care of my need, but at the same time is going to allow me to handle my spiritual business according to you. Now, when you pray like that, you can go and put your resumes in and you can go do all kinds of stuff and you can have faith that God is going to do it. Why? Because you're praying according to his will. You're praying, you're, you're, you're actively trying to find work. So you're trying to do what you're supposed to do. You ain't trying to do it on your own. The Lord says, <laughs> come, <laughs> the, the Lord tells us very, you know, tell, very plain, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, his righteousness, right? And all these other things shall be added unto you. God, my desire is to be, is to still be able to, to, to honor you, to be able to worship you, to be able to serve you. So I need something that's going to allow me to be able to do that. But I also need something that's going to allow me to take care of my day-to-day -day business. God, listen, all of these things that you're doing that you're asking for are consistent with the will of God. So you can confidently trust and believe that God's going to answer that prayer. This is the same for any other thing. When you pray according to the will of God. and not outside the season of God. Then when you pray accordingly, you listen. You can expect that God will do what you've asked him to do. Because you've asked for something that is in his will and it's and it within the confines of the season or the way God is operating right now. Now, let me give you an example, because somebody who will hear this, they don't understand that when you say the season and all the, that, you know, what, what, what do you mean if I'm praying outside the season of God? Because remember, we just talking about, <laughs> David said, when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And what we're talking about here is, is that God often has to, it's not until people leave and things get gone that God is able to take us up. Now, when we start, when God takes us up, That means God is helping us. Everybody else might have left, but God's going God's to show up. God's going to step in. And the truth to the matter is, is that God was never gone. We're just able to see him really for the first time. That's really what it is. When you, when God shows up, God shows up when he takes me up. He takes up my cause, provided that that cause is right before him. He becomes my support. He becomes my aid. He becomes my confidant. He becomes my counselor. He becomes my mentor. He becomes everything that I had previously assigned the role to everybody else. Now he becomes what? My all in all. Why does he become my all in all? Because I finally got everybody else out of the way. They left and God showed up. Now, when as I'm walking with God, now that God has taken me up, I am communicating with God. I'm talking to God. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. He is my support. He is my supply. Now I can go to him and I can request and I can ask God for this, that, and other. Now, when we do this, though, you want to be praying and asking according to the word of God. So in other words, you want to be asking for things that the word of God authorize you to work, authorize you to ask for. You don't want to be asking for stuff that go against God's will. That's what that means. You don't want to be asking for things that God has no, has no pleasure in or that God is, again, you don't want to do that. 
because you're asking for you, when you do that, when you go ask for things that are not in the will of God, you're asking, you're literally asking God, please don't bless me. That's literally what you're doing. When you go and ask for things that you know that the word of God tells you is not okay, you're, you're wasting your time. You're asking for God to bless you with something that he's not going to do. Now, so there's that. But then there's also making sure that you are praying according to the season, that you understand, you perceive what is going on. You understand this is how God is operating. This is how he's moving. And so I'm going to pray consistent with that. So let me give you an example is what I said I was going to do. So if you are with the, let's say you were on pray for somebody. Okay. And this person is, needs to be saved. Okay. This person needs to be saved. You know it. Everybody know it. That person just, I mean, just a mess. And they, and they need the Lord in every way. And you know that that person then comes to you and they say, well, you know what? I'm, and they, and they begin to, um, to share some things. I'm having such a hard time. I need a, you know, um, in, in, in just these, you know, talking about relationships or, or job, having problems in all of these other areas. And, and it doesn't matter. You can pick whatever area you want. But the point is that they come to you. Now, you know that this person is living is living wrong. They're sinning against God. They're just doing all of the wrong things. Yet they come to you and saying, you know what? I need this. I want this. And I, I want, you know, I need, I want a new job. I want a new car. I want th- all kinds of stuff, whatever it is. I, I want this person. I want all of these sorts of things. What season do you think that person is in? who is actively walking contrary to the will of God. Do you think that they are in a season of God's blessing where God is getting ready to give them everything that they want? Do you think that they're, that, that, that you should pray on their behalf that the Lord bless them with a job a new, a great job and a, and a great this and a great that, all of these bless, all these other things. Should you be praying for that or should you be praying for that person's soul salvation? What should you prioritize? What should you focus on? Should you focus exclusively on, keep in mind, this is a person, they're already anti-God. They're not giving God the time of day. And they are literally asking you to pray that they get more things that they can keep on using to not give God the time of day. Should you pray for that simply on the strength that they come up to you and ask you to pray for that? Or should you be praying for something a little more? You already know God doesn't bless mess. And you know that what the person needs is to stop fighting against God and surrender. Why would I focus on the things that don't matter, knowing that my brother or my sister is in danger of hellfire? Why would I spend my time praying for (laughs) all of these good things that I know would actually just come if they turn towards God. Perceiving the season. Many times we pray for things out of season. God bless a person, this, that, another, this, that, do this and that. But we don't pay attention to what's going on around. You can look around you and see what is happening. And if you are led by the spirit, you will perceive the season. What is, what, what is God doing in this time? 
What is God doing in this moment? Is this the season to go, 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 or is it the season to be still before the Lord? Is this the season to go and start a whole bunch of stuff? Or is it the season to hold still and work on the things that God has already done? Is this the season to go and expand the ministry? Or is it the season for me to be ministered to so that I can be rejuvenated and be ready to minister? Should I be trying to go and add a whole bunch of new ministries and start up a whole, all these different activities for the Lord? When I've half-heartedly given my time and my effort to allowing God to mature the one ministry that I'm already a part of. The season, the season. Having God answer prayers is not about just praying what the word says I can pray for. You can absolutely do that. But you also, understanding the season is simply a metaphor for knowing when to pray something when to pray for something. Not can I pray for it, but is this the time to pray for that? Because many times people pray for what they can pray for out of sync with the time to pray for that thing. And so when God doesn't do it, we when we think he's supposed to do it, we get hurt. We start to think that God just left us high and dry. No, it's just that what you prayed for is for a different season. Now, you won't know this in every situation. There'll be plenty of things that you're going to pray for out of season. That's going to happen. Okay. But you do need to be aware of the season so that if you do, because sometimes you won't stop and you don't know what season you're in. You're just praying based on the word allows you to do it. And I do the same thing. I do the same thing. So I don't want you to think that, you know, no, no. There are going to be times where you don't get this right. But you do need to understand that God does operate according to seasons. Why? So that if you prayed for something and you felt really strong, I'm just going to pray for this prayer. But you didn't check and you didn't commune with God to see which way God was moving before you prayed that thing. Even that you don't just give up on it and throw it away, especially if you pray for it according to the word of God. You just need to be aware and mature in the faith to not get all hurt and be all assuming that God's not going to do it. No, it's not that God's not going to do it. It's just not the time to do it. Some stuff, though, you got to understand that you can't, you can't pray for things that are inconsistent with his will. You don't go around praying God's favor on the wicked and them that ain't doing right on the simple strength of just them getting whatever it is that they want. You don't do that. You pray for them to be saved. You do, you pray for opportunities for you to share the word, for you to be a light or you to be salt to that person. You don't go praying for the, the sinner to help them receive things so they can keep sinning. That's ridiculous. You don't do that. 
when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. The Lord wants to take you up. And I know it hurt when some folks left, but like John, 1 John showed us in 2 and 19, some people left for the purpose of God revealing to you that those that were with you, they weren't really there with you in the first place. And though it might feel like all is lost at times, it's not. Because David said, then the Lord will take me up. You might feel like things are unraveling and things have gotten all out of sync. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, you're right where God wants you to be. You're now finally ready for him to take you up. Next week, we'll talk about the way of God, and we'll get further into that. And that's going to be a wonderful study. Um, that might be a one or two part lesson. We'll see how that goes. But I just wanted to make sure we took that time to just talk about that very last portion of the of, of Psalms 27 and 10. Then my mother, then the Lord will take me up. God bless you. Until next time. Wow.